Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the wonderful documentary Santa Camp. We are joined today by director and producer Nick Sweeney, as well as producer Stacey Reese, along with subjects from the film Santa Chris, Transcenter Levi, Dr. Klaus Heidi, Santa Finn, and his mother Suki. And Nick, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the initial genesis of the film for you, because it sounds like you had this this initial fashion fascination in, in how Santas become Santa and how they end up embodied in this world. And that through that, you discovered this Santa camp. And once you discovered this camp, I was really fascinated in from there, how you started to seek out and really find the idea of how you could possibly tell a story about this and, and what you felt like the inroad from the story was going to be initially against what it ended up being in the final film. Yeah. So I had been kind of curious about how, um, how Santa Claus has learned to become Santa. I was curious about this huge industry. And also, I I got to say, like when I first started to do a little bit of research on it, I was a little bit struck by the lack of diversity in the Santa industry. It seemed like when it came to commercials and to movie depictions, it was rare to see Santas who, I guess, didn't fit the mold. Um, and so I had reached out to a couple of different Santa societies and I found out that one of them ran a summer camp for Santa Clauses, which just sounded so wild, like Santa's sitting around a campfire or sleeping in bunk beds. I like just like it didn't sound like it could possibly exist. Um, and so then I reached out and there were photos of it. So I was like, OK, it must it must actually exist. And then um, it turned out that they had um, been thinking about, or they'd had more requests for Santas from different backgrounds. Like they'd been getting requests from um, families who wanted to have a Santa that looked like them or who, you know, shared, shared traits or backgrounds that they had. And so the organizer, Dan, uh, Santa Dan Greenleaf, had been um, starting to reach out to different Santas from different backgrounds and looking at ways that they could do outreach to, to different types of Santas. Um, and then obviously, you know, some of the, I think when I started making the film, I wasn't expecting that there would be so much pushback to the idea of Santas who don't um, fit the mold. I didn't think that we'd be, you know, staring down Proud Boys, for example. Um, so yeah, it certainly took a lot of twists and turns um, as we made the film. Yeah. And and kind of for you and, and Stacey together as well, I was interested in in how you ended up connected to, you know, Chris, Finn, Heidi, Levi, you know, and, and these wonderful subjects that we have in the film and how you really saw them as the the center story that you wanted to tell. Because I imagine that there were a lot of different possible directions that you could have gone in with the story and a lot of different subjects who could have been centered in it. Um, and so what were those early conversations and and kind of connections to all of these subjects that ended up becoming the center of the film? Yeah, I mean, like all good things, it came through the internet. Um, Chris's <laughs> story had received an enormous amount of attention um, when Chris received a, a racist letter from somebody. Um, Levi and Heidi had a smaller social media profile, but they had been putting up um, pictures and things from events that they'd been doing for their community in Chicago. Um, then um, Santa Finn and Suki had found out about the camp from the internet as well. They had, I think, with COVID coming to an end, they were looking at ways that they could kind of step up their Santa game. Um, and then Diane, Miss Claus, is a, a regular there. So it was really, I mean, it, it was all through the internet <laughs> that that all of these worlds kind of collided. But um, 
in terms of who we follow, I mean, it, it was it, the stories that we see unfolding are just so interesting. Um, there's so many kind of twists and turns in there. Um, as we see the Santas, you know, as we first get to know them, and then we go to this surreal Santa camp, and then they go out into the the real world. I mean, um, you never really know what direction a documentary is going to take. And I think Stacey and I were really grateful that, that the people that we came across were just so fascinating. And and within that, you know, um, Stacey, for you, I was interested in a lot of the logistical elements that went into the different elements of this film, because as Nicholas was just saying, you've almost got three chapters. You've got before Santa Camp, during Santa Camp, and then the impact it has afterwards. Um, and so what were the different elements that went into, you know, behind the scenes, putting together all of the elements that you needed, everything that you needed to support the crew at each stage, and really just telling, telling one linear story, but through these three different chapters? Well, what I love about this film is that it takes place across the country. So I love that it's, that isn't always the case. So, you know, Chris is in Arkansas and Levi and Heidi are in Illinois and Suki and Finn are in Vermont. So, um, which is beautiful, but also, yes, a logistical, um, a, you know, sort of a logistical producer's challenge for sure. Um, but with the, you know, pre-camp, we had a smaller group of people um, in our crew and we would go out to each location and film with them. Camp was really the most fun I've ever had producing anything because it was, you know, a hundred Santas at a campground. We're sleeping in cabins too. We're driving around golf carts. We're all on walkie talkies. I mean, it was just like pure fun um, and logistically challenging, but we were really prepared and we knew what we wanted and everything was in this one self-contained location. So, you know, that made it, that made it easier from a producing point of view. Yeah, that's amazing. And Chris, kind of coming over to you, you know, obviously there was, there was mention of the letter that you had received. And, and I thought it was so striking that initially when you're talking to the camera and you're being asked about it, you know, you say that it's a really difficult thing for you to read out loud and, and something that you don't feel comfortable doing because of all the emotion that comes with that. And then we see that really beautiful and powerful moment during the film when you're at the campfire with a lot of the other Santas and you end up reading it out to them and then throwing it into the bonfire. And I was, I was interested in if in that moment you went into that evening with an idea that that was something that you were going to do or kind of how that came about as being something that was very cathartic and very important to you in this journey? Well, I knew I would have to explain to the group of Santas, honestly, why I even decided to um, participate in Santa Camp and to, um, and to you know, what, what the main goal was. Um, and, you know, it, so I prepared myself. I knew that I was going to read it out loud at some point during camp. Um, but the, the fire actually presented an amazing opportunity to read it and also burn it, which, you know, I had wanted to do, but we kept it for a while for police evidence and that kind of thing. But, um, ultimately it was, it was definitely something that was, um, needed for not only our family, but for me, because, Christmas is my favorite holiday. So, um, you know, it, getting rid of that allowed us to move forward. Yeah, 
No, it's a, it's a really, really beautiful moment in the film. And, and Levi, in, in coming over to you, um, there's something I love that you say in the film about how the first time that you started to step into the, the character of Santa, that there was, there was kind of a journey of really finding out what does Santa look and feel like to me? What, what's my version of this character? Um, and so going through the experience of, of having done appearances as Santa, even prior to the, to camp, and then just going through camp, how you feel like that has really grown and evolved for you over time. And, and the, the confidence and comfort that you have found in this character since? Yeah, I think for me, the experience of Santa Camp really helped um, kind of solidify my Santa-ness, if you will, um, because it was so empowering to like learn more about how I have a story, right? And like I can tell my story and how to develop that story um, when I am around young people. And then just the events afterwards made me really feel like there is a purpose for me to be visibly trans and like um it was just heartwarming and empowering and um I just feel really great that I got the opportunity to do it but also just that I feel like there is importance in in what I'm doing Absolutely. And, and Heidi, I, I love the moment where, you know, you're in the workshop for Mrs. Claus's and you're bringing up the point of, you know, my version is Dr. Claus, you know, this is who I think she is as a character for me. And, and so I wanted to ask about even before Santa camp, kind of what brought you to the realization of, I don't have to conform this into the character that everybody has always envisioned her to be, but this is the version that works for me. And also an important version that's going to be representative to other people and kids who are coming to see her. Yeah, I think from the jump, um, from when I first voluntold Levi, we were going to do a Santa event. Um, <clears throat> we both came into it of we can't do it like we know that it's done elsewhere. That's not who we are, right? There's the, it, there's a dark underside to Santa that can exist around really removing young people's consent and forcing them onto the lap of a strange man. Nothing about that is appealing to us or in line with our mission and vision. And so immediately we had to be like, how do we rethink this? How do we make sure that it's consent forward? How do we start with who are you as a human? Who are we as humans? And then how do we sort of play out this beautiful experience of here's what I want and need from the world. Can you help put that into the world with me? Um, and so I think that's really really how I approached Dr. Claus from the get-go of that I, I, I'm never going to be the wife. Like, queer woman from the jump, feminist, hardcore, like, I'm never going to just be the wife. Not that there's anything wrong with being married and in love, because I absolutely am. And he's his own person, I'm my own person. I bring something to the table that he doesn't and vice versa. And so I think that's just something that I carry with me in all spaces, um, and definitely something I was quite vocal about at camp. <laughs> yeah. And Finn, I love that we get to see the experience of you finding out that you're going to be in the parade um, and getting to be in the parade. What, what was it like getting to be Santa in a parade for you after wanting to do that for so long? Being in a parade made me feel good. I love that. And, you know, for you, Suki, you talk in the film as well about how Finn's passion for Santa in turn has become yours. And, and we see through the parade that it's it really is the embodiment of family out there for you all. Um, how do you feel like it's become such a central part of your life through the journey of going to Santa camp with Finn and, and through being with him at the parade? It's just for, for me, it, it feels like magic, right? Yeah. Um, 
when it started to magically snow during the parade, just when we first rolled off, it started this magic snow started to fall. And when Finn becomes Santa Finn, he really transforms into Santa. And he exudes this incredible energy of, of joy that everyone around him picks up on. And so to see him uh, up there, he was up really high on this platform in his sleigh. And to see him exuding that outward, this huge energy and everyone responding to it was, it is fairly exhilarating. And it, it has become my thing too, because of the magic, you know, it's, it, it, for me, it, it, right from the get-go, from when we first learned about Santas and Santa schools, and to see that it's not just a job or an industry, it is, but it's also a lot of Santas, it's, for, it's a calling, and it's a vocation, and it's something that they really uh, believe in. People take the oath of St. Nicholas in this whole nine yards, which we did, and at first, uh, I was just blown away by this, the stories and stuff that I heard from other Santas. And then now we have our own yeah, after doing it for about six or seven years now. Yeah, that's amazing. And and Finn, what, what was your favorite part of attending Santa camp and being a part of it all? Santa Dan taught me how to wave to the crowd in a parade. <laughs> and? I was excited to meet other Santas. <laughs> That was amazing. You know, and, and and off the back, you know, I love that Finn's bringing up that point there about the community of, of Santas and equally for you, Heidi, Levi and, and Chris, what, what was the experience of going into Santa camp in terms of the expectation and the idea that you had going into it of what this experience might be, what this community might be, and then coming out on the other side of it and what that experience actually was for all of you? Listen, I thought that it was going to be in the winter. There were going to be armchairs. There was going to be hot cocoa. We were all going to see carols. No. That is not what Santa can. <laughs> but yeah, I think I had hesitations just like, it is rare that Heidi and I are in such cisgendered white male space, right? Um, and so I think that's where a little bit of our apprehension came in. Um, and so I was just worried like, like, I think I say in the film, like, are they going to accept me, right? Like, is this going to be the jolly, welcoming experience that I thought it would be? And it was, like, super accepting. I think they're learning, they're trying, right? I think some of their verbiage is off. And, you know, I think as they continue to learn and grow, hopefully they um, are welcoming to more Santas. Um, but, yeah, I think... Overall, it, it was a good experience, you know? Yeah. That's great. And for you, Chris? I mean, it, um, you know, I, it wasn't anything um, out of the ordinary. I'm pretty much around old white dudes all the time uh, and have grown up. I, I grew up in deep East Texas. It's predominantly white. Um, I went to, you know, I, I've been around it all my life. So the only thing that I was... Uh, slightly worried about was how hokey it was going to be because obviously these people take Christmas even more seriously than I do and so I was just trying to make sure that you know it wasn't going to be like 
literally every two and a half seconds somebody was ho ho hoing and and that kind of thing. Which Finn's ho 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 is definitely always welcome, but um, I, uh, I I was definitely more worried about that. And uh, but it, I the good thing for me was I was leaving the south and going to the north, so I knew that there would be more acceptance in, in that um, than anything. Yeah, you know, and and Suki and and Finn. I mean, Suki, we see that that you have some apprehensions going into it, and just you know, wanting to make sure that it is as collaborative as you hope it would be. And so, how did it end up aligning with with what you were thinking going into it that first day? I wasn't nervous to go to Santa Camp, but my mom was. <laughs> yeah, I just um, I don't know. It just seemed like a lot, and. And then the minute we got out of the car and went into where you go into the camp, uh, I just felt that we were both really, that people knew about us and they were, they enveloped us and it just was warm and fuzzy. And, and that, that, that sort of put me at my ease, like almost immediately. So it's, you know, the disability stuff with being nonverbal and stuff can be, it can be, it can be, you know, lots of, lots of little details and things like that. And I found folks to be very patient and positive about it. So that was good. That's wonderful. And, and coming back to you, Nicholas and Stacy, I did, you know, I did want to talk about the, the segment in the film, um, you know, and coming to you after this, Heidi and Levi to talk about it as well, where they're making an appearance and there's protesters coming in the parking lot because there's a lot of elements that go into that in terms of how you're filming it, safety of the crew, um, alongside even just the way that you're telling the story. And so to start off with, wanted to ask a little bit about how you went into filming a moment like that in the film. Obviously, you had no idea how the events of the evening were going to transpire. Um, and Heidi and Levi were, were fortunately safely inside, unaware of what was going out in the parking lot. And even just down to the fact that obviously as filmmakers, you're usually trying not to center yourself in the story that you're capturing and telling for a film like this. But even then there is that moment where we hear you behind the camera where someone's talking about Santa in the Bible and, and you kind of enter the discourse by saying Santa's not in the Bible. Um, and so I was interested in, in just hearing a little bit more about some of the logistical elements that went into the pre-production of, of filming that evening in anticipation of what potentially could happen. Um, and then just even the details of, of what it was like to be in that parking lot that evening. Perhaps, Stacey, you Can might- we just start with the logistics? I feel like yeah. I'm gonna handle all the logistics questions on this call. The producer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, um, the, when the Trans Santa event was posted on Facebook for the organizers of the event, they, um, they started receiving posts um, and and hate posts, which you know Nick and I were really surprised about. That took kind of caught us off guard. Um, but the only positive is that going into the event, we knew that this was an issue, so we could be really, really plan in advance for what might happen and make sure that everyone was safe, which obviously was our you know first goal. Um, and then our second goal was obviously like, we're not going to let these people get in the way of this beautiful event that was so important. So how can we make sure the event happens? Everyone is safe, but it still gets to go on because what, you know, they would win if the event got canceled. And so we worked really closely with the organizers of the event and ultimately decided to get private security to make sure that everyone was safe um, and set it up in a way where we could keep 
the people that were there for the beautiful, you know, spirit of Christmas away from the people that were protesting and full of hate speech. And, and so that's how we were able to do it. And I'm really proud of our team because I feel like we were able to really shield the people that were there from what was truly going on. And in fact, I think Heidi and Levi will say when you, when they talk about this, that they really didn't even have any idea of what was like happening on the fringes of the parking lot, but it was very real and, and very scary for us. Um, Nick, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say that I wasn't scared, but I was. You can hear it in my voice when I'm talking to them. Um, uh, I have a kind of shaky quality and my heart was racing. And it was also very bizarre. Like, you know, they were calling themselves the Proud Boy Elves, which is just so weird. Like, you know, it, it, all of it, it just felt so strange. And they were talking about how they're there protesting the outsourcing of Santa's job to trans Santa. I mean, it was just like really strange, weird stuff. It was so far down the rabbit hole. Um, and then, yeah, it was kind of scary too. I mean, you know, they're, they're um, it, you know, it's easy to, to see that, you know, the videos of, of what happens when big groups of Proud Boys show up to an event. I mean, you know, January 6th or, any number of street brawls that you see happening. So yeah, it was a little scary, um, but I also felt very safe because of the logistics that had been put forward um, in terms of private security and the changing of the venue and the way that things had been kind of structured so that um, the event itself was happening quite far away. Also the police had been notified um, and there were a number of um, undercover police units in the area as well, which we um, learned after. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I felt safe. I also felt like it was important to kind of ask them why they were there um, and to find out what their objection was. Um, and but it's certainly not something that I ever thought would be happening when I started making a Christmas movie. <laughs> and it was really interesting to watch that moment where you're behind the camera talking to the woman in the car who's also posting on social media. Um, and then, you know, obviously seeing the feed that she was filming and what she was putting out, was it, was it fairly straightforward to be able to find her video and to be able to include that in the film? And, and did you realize straight away, oh, this would be really interesting perspective wise if we also included what she's filming on her end? I mean, there are so many elements of what um, what unfolded over those days leading in that that we felt were important to include. There's also a phone call that the organizer receives that talks about how this is communism and Marxism, which makes no sense. I mean, it it you know it, and it's similar to what the girl in the car is saying that it's communism and it's Marxism and it's destroying the country. I mean, you know, these were just such hyperbolic and surreal and you know odd apocalyptic sentiments to be attributing to something as sweet and simple as you know a bunch of kids getting to meet a santa that that you know, was bringing them joy and that juxtaposition was important for us to include um but i think any anyone that watches it can see that the things that they're saying uh you know, very odd i mean again the communism and marxism are just i have no idea what what yeah yeah you know and, and Heidi and Levi you know I, I was so glad when I read that you were inside and you had no idea that that was all going on in the parking lot because it's so 
beautiful to watch those instances of engagement that you have with family, with teenagers, with kids coming in to meet the two of you. Um, and what, what was that just emotionally like having had this idea of, you know, this is a representation of, of, of Santa and Dr. Claus that feels really important and just enacting the reality. And, and even the moment that we see on the film where, you know, you have a teenager coming in and saying for Christmas, I want to come out to my family fully this year. And knowing that these are things that kids are not asking a mall Santa for. Yeah, it definitely makes me feel like there's a purpose in what I'm doing. Um, you know, I think when we think about like the protesters and all of that, we don't have an agenda. Our agenda is to spread joy and be welcoming and like spread the spirit of Christmas, right? Like that's what Santa's about is this idea of just acceptance and and love really, right? And so I think um, for us, for the event, you know, like we weren't scared going into it. We, I think our biggest concern or at least my biggest concern was like, are the kids going to be exposed to the negative hate, right? Because that's not fair to them. I want them to be able to have the experience that, you know, they expect to have when they come and see Santa, right? Um, and so I think that was our biggest concern, but we weren't going to back down or cancel the event by no no means, you know? Like that was, if anything, it pushed us even more to like want to do more events like that. Because um, I think that's the important piece of like visibility and letting people know like, yeah, I'm trans, I'm Santa, I'm here, like, I'm not going anywhere, I have no agenda with your kid, but, like, that's what I'm here for, is to spread the spirit of Christmas, right, and so, and the kids just, it was, like, heartwarming, and just amazing to hear the things that they wanted, because it wasn't just, like, gender-affirming things, but just, like, world peace, and just for people to be more accepting, and, you know, like, things like that, that, as a kid, you're supposed to like want the greatest new toy, not not world peace and acceptance, right? Like, um, and so I think for, like those types of comments that came out of the kids really were what were like transformative to me. And the adults too. I mean, I think that's some of the magic that I hear when Sookie talks too, right? It's this vulnerable space where, you know, and we hear this from from Santa's at Santa camp too, where they were like, what do you do when, when a young person asks that their sibling no longer have cancer? What do you write that there's something magical about Santa that gives us permission to ask for something we know isn't attainable. And so the fact that a trans Santa then brings out that idea and a queer Dr. Claus of like, I want to be accepted at home. I want estrogen. I want a binder, right? That, that, that speaks to that same magic quality of this feels unattainable for me. And, and there's something magical about the characters you're playing right now that I hope you can leverage in the world. <laughs> to help my day-to-day -day experience be a safe one, a healthy one. Yeah. And, and for all of you as, as subjects in the film as well, you know, I always think it's such a fascinating experience to go through this journey of, you know, building a relationship with a filmmaker and their team and a crew and really becoming a central part of a story like this. Um, and so for all of you was interested in just hearing a little bit about what the experience was like in terms of just having the crew there filming you during Santa camp, you know, sitting and, and doing talking to camera pieces with them and just kind of getting very comfortable with that. And, and it's essentially like what were the most valuable aspects for you in, in the filmmaking process of this all? I think for us is, um, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're trusting, like, 
strangers essentially, right? Um, but I think, you know, both Nick and Stacy, we've seen their body of work and, you know, we had access to that. And so knowing that they're gonna make sure that they protect us, right? Like protect our story. Um, and there was just an instant like trust built among us. Um, and I, I feel really grateful for that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we put our whole selves out there and trusted that they were going to do what they did with it. And so, um, and to see the result and how beautiful it is, like, we're just proud to be a part of it and we're grateful for the experience. So, yeah. yeah. And what about for you, Suki and Finn? What do you think, Finn? I was happy and excited to see myself in the movie. Yeah. And was it important? It is important to see us and each other in the movie. Yeah. Yes. Being Senna is important because it makes people happy. And I, I would agree. I, I, I think that uh, <clears throat> it's very important to have uh, trust. And during this experience, I mean, having Nick and Stacy and the crew in our house was really interesting um and uh i was just amazed at at the end result like it because i had no sense of how it was going to look in the end and how my life and finbar's world and his room where his little you know all of these things and it just it kind of gave me a sense of like wow we're doing something here and that that I think was uh, very, very um, a positive, a positive experience. In a, I would, a, I would characterize last year as my analyst horribleist. Is that what the Queen used to say? So I, I had a personal rough year, uh, losing my best friend and other things. And then when the movie, when we saw it for the first time, it was like, whoa. Have a beautiful life, you know, and what we've done here and what Finbar insisted on having happen. And I just was sort of the momager or the facilitator. It just it gave me a sense of like, wow, okay, you know. So that's amazing. And for you, Chris. For me, it was uh, I mean, it's um uh, it's been a it's been an interesting journey for the past at this point. It's, Two and a half years since everything started, and um, you know, to go from anonymity to people actually like knowing who I am because of that letter, and then um, filming Santa Camp, everything. It's it's been very uh, it's been a whirlwind of a journey, but um, I would say that um, uh, Nick and and the crew, Nick and Stacy, they definitely made you welcome made you feel at home uh made you feel safe um they you know i was very hesitant to um allow my daughter to be filmed um at first but um yeah nick is nick and the crew very welcoming and i, I trusted them and the ultimate trust is allowing my my family to be filmed because it's all about me it's fine i can handle it um, but, you know, at the end of the day, my daughter was four when we started this and she turned six this weekend. So um, she's got a lot of innocence 
Um, and I have to make sure that I, even in telling my story to make sure that she's still protected. And I think that they did a great job doing that. Absolutely. And and Nick and Stacey, I wanted to also ask you both a little bit about the post-production on this film, because in filming for such an extensive amount of time and, you know, even going back to what we were talking about at the beginning and having these three different chapters and really just finding the pacing and what works for story story telling within the final version of the film. And there's always so many elements in documentary storytelling that you film that you would love to include, but don't necessarily always work in the final cut. And so what were some of the most challenging aspects as you went into the post-production and editing of this film together? We actually started editing it um, just after camp before Christmas started because we wanted to make sure that it would be ready in time for this year. Um, And so since we didn't uh sometimes documentaries are made you know you'll have like hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage and you give it to the editor and it's like get started and find the story but because we started editing it quite early um we had a real sense of kind of where things might be going before we filmed the the final scenes in the documentary there was a big um there was like a lot of filming in um around summer and then there was a lot of filming in Christmas and so we did already have an idea by the time Christmas rolled around of you know like where things were going um but I guess the challenge was that just so much interesting stuff happened like there's so much emotion in there just every person that we were following just had these huge like seismic events that were happening from you know and they were all over America and so that was I guess the biggest challenge you know kind of like how do we pace this out emotionally and make it so that somebody can watch it without their head spinning because there's so much happening um and that was a real challenge I think you know working with the channel with the HBO Max team and um with people that we played it to and with the editor lease like we got a sense of what was working and also what was too overwhelming because as you see in the film there's just so much that happens and for you Stacey with that side I of would things? just add that um you know the the beauty and challenge of this film is it's an ensemble and so there are many different people and I think that one of the challenges uh, you know even though everyone in the film is is quite different and that's the point of the film but it's also for an audience um introducing sort of multiple different storylines in different places, but also getting us to camp because the film's called Santa Camp. And so in the early, you know, early days of edit, I know when I sat there with Nick and with Lise and we were watching, it was like, okay, we need to meet everyone. We need to tell you who everyone is and what their backstory is, but then we need to get to camp because everyone wants to. So it was like this challenge of like, I would always sit there and say like, how soon can we get camp in? Like we're not getting to camp fast enough, right, Nick? And so that was really like the the challenge. And then for the third act of the film, which is after camp and the holidays, we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we didn't we knew there would be holiday events in their communities, but again, we didn't know, you know, what would happen with the protesters showing up. We didn't know that there would be, you know, this parade with this beautiful snow that happened. I mean, there was so much sort of magic magic and challenge and then crafting that into the story as well. So um, yeah, there was a lot to get into the film. And so I feel like it's just such an incredible ride because when people ask me what it's about, I'm like, it's gonna make you laugh. You're gonna giggle, you're gonna cry. You're, I mean, it has every emotion. It really, it'll, it'll take, takes you on quite a ride. 
And we didn't realize as well that that Chris would be doing this huge event where it was like hundreds of families that had traveled for hundreds of miles. Like we had an idea that, you know, people would be out getting gigs, but, you know, I certainly didn't think that, that, I mean, Chris, I think it was 300 miles that somebody had driven just to meet a black Santa. And, you know, I, we didn't kind of anticipate that, you know, scenes like that would be happening. Yeah, there was a, I believe it was a family from Mississippi. Um, it was, it was actually a grandmother. She was in her nineties and they, her daughter leave Arkansas, come and get her and then drive back to meet me because she wanted to meet a black Santa. Um, so like, I'm so glad that they did not actually film my face when she was telling me the story because I legitimately got teary eyed because uh one she sounded like my grandma who raised me growing up so it was just like this whole thing and um it, it was definitely very heartwarming um and yeah i for me it was like okay i'm gonna go to santa camp and then i'm gonna come back and you know i'll work with a photographer and we'll do some studio sessions and then to get a call from the city that they wanted me to be santa for this event was uh it was overwhelming and also great because it, it to me it was uh it was full circle the city embraced me and not the hatred so that was that was where it uh it, it was full circle that's amazing and and lastly nick and chris i wanted to ask you about the the genesis of of the end scene in the film which is chris performing alongside to the notorious big track because <laughs> i i love that that's how the film concludes <laughs> Yeah. We had been um trying to figure out how, like, I guess just a, what might be the final things that we would film with Chris and his neighbors would put up all of these Santas everywhere. And so we were talking about coming down and filming Chris walking around the neighborhood. And then Chris sent me a video that he'd taken on his iPhone of him doing that song, doing the Notorious B.I.G. Juicy um, as Santa. And I just... I like froze because I love that song um and it just felt so like perfectly aligned I don't know like just everything about it just seems so beautiful and wonderful and Juicy is also a really inspirational song you know very well who you are don't let me hold you down reach for the stars like it just had these these like like unexpectedly Christmassy lyrics so I asked Chris if we could film him walking around the neighborhood um and Believe it or not, that is just me and one person with a camera with me. Um, it looks like a million bucks because I think the the neighbors that um, like with their Christmas decorations, it looks like a kind of like Disney movie with like the scale of the Christmas lights. And Chris himself looks so incredible, but it's actually um, just a very small crew. Yeah, um, for me, it was one of those things of. Uh... I got invited to be Santa at a Christmas party. And luckily for me, it was a Black Christmas party. So, you know, Black culture is music and, and everything. And the fact that as Black Santa, I can rap juicy and nobody blinks an eye or anything. It's actually more welcome. So uh, my wife recorded me doing it because uh, she was Mrs. Claus. And, uh, and then I was like, let me send this to Nick. So I sent it to him and uh, it was like, you know, it took him like, I don't know, 45 seconds or something to respond. And he was like, we have to film that. 
so yeah when they came back they were going to do walk arounds and us talking to the neighbors and um and you know i have some neighbors that have amazing decorations um so we um asked some of them if we could film and yeah it's it's all history from there that's so great well it's an interesting way that somebody who was cutting the film described it which was that it was like sending the letter back um and when they said it to me i kind of like it i didn't think of it until they said it i don't and i don't know if chris agrees but it's kind of like you see the letter at the beginning and then you see this incredible thing at the end and anyway that was yeah someone's observation I love that. Well, yeah. it's it's such a wonderful documentary and, and I loved the opportunity to kind of get to meet and know you all through the film and to talk about it today. So thank you so much for your time. And I hope that you all have a really, really wonderful holiday season coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs>